right. Well, I hope you're having a great week. I apologize for not getting a podcast out last week, and they may get a little more spread out as we get ready to hit the road again. We are two weeks out, pretty much, and uh, so much work to do, but Lord willing, we will be on the road third week of March, and uh, we want to thank all of you that have supported us, help us get this new truck, uh, but there's just been an immense amount of work to do getting ready for this tour, and uh, so I will do these as I am able. I was really uh, inspired to continue that series, The Risk of Art, partly because uh, I've gotten quite a bit of feedback from that, people that were inspired by it. And, you know, I've been kind of, I've been reading through Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art. It's a little new agey in places, but it's a wonderful book. And I encourage you, uh, if you're an artist of any kind, and to some degree, we're all artists, we all create, we all make things out of what has already been made. Um, That's a worthwhile book to read, uh, especially the, well, really the whole thing. Just just read it through the lens of the Bible and Scripture. Uh, he, he believes in God, mentions God, but it gets a little new agey. It's a good book. But I was also inspired by uh, a text I got last week or week before last from a friend that I've known since about 1980. Uh, my friend James became a roommate for Susan and I when we lived in our little rat trap apartment, our little $90 a month apartment, and we were partying our heads off. We were 18 years old, and he moved in to help us with our $90 a month rent, and we partied our heads off, man. We were just drinking and smoking weed and dropping acid and just living that hedonistic wildlife uh, when in 82... Susan and I committed our lives to Jesus, and he watched that happen. And 30 days later, less than 30 days later, Susan and I got married, and he eventually moved out, moved in with his brother, then moved back to Minnesota. And I don't think I've laid eyes on him since probably about 1991. We went out to visit him. Uh, And then after that, we really didn't even stay in touch until the last couple of years. I relocated him in Portland, Florida. He was on Portland, Florida, Portland, Oregon. He was on Facebook. And then randomly every six months or so, he'll send me a text. And he went and saw my son play music. And anyway, uh, a week before last, I think it was, he sent me a text of uh, a plaque that I had made out of wood, a plaque of the Ten Commandments. Not long after I'd come to the Lord, uh, I got some woodworking tools together, and, and I am a novice at best of a woodworker. I, as I was just doing some artsy things, really, just wanted to do some artsy things. And so I got these planks of wood, pretty good-sized pieces of wood, and uh, I made like like wooden tablets. They were shaped like tablets. And I got these stencils of old English font, and I penciled each letter of all Ten Commandments, and then I routed them out. And then I routed the Ten Commandments on the front and a, a picture of Moses that I got out of a coloring book. And then I stained it, and I put some gold hinges on it. And I, I think I made three or four of them, and I, I have no idea where they're at. I, I think I gave one to my mom. I got lost somewhere, and and uh, but he still has one. And I'm like, what? I didn't even know that we, I gave him one. And And I thought, you know, Man, he has watched our faith journey over the over the years. He knows what we do today, and he watched our immediate change. He was blown away when we were born again, the change that happened in us. And I thought about that, you know, those planks, two planks of wood. Uh, it, it's not just that piece of art. It's the story behind that art. 
you know, and how important art is. You can probably look at some things around your room, um, wherever you're at uh, in your house that someone made for you. And it's not so much, you know, think about what your children make and you, you save that little drawing. It's the story behind that art, isn't it? That's the importance of it all. On my wall, I'm actually looking right now in my studio at a picture an inmate drew of our team back in probably 2012. Took the time to sketch each one of us, and it is very well done. Um, and then he, he painted it with crushed coffee bean juice. That picture is framed on my wall. And it's not because it's ever going to be some worldwide celebrated work of art. It's because of the story behind that art. And that's one reason it's so important that we create. And, you know, art really, it's not just, uh, you know, paintings and music. And it's anything that we create out of what God has already created. And for us as believers, we create it for his glory and for the service of others. And I think to some degree, we're all created to be creative. We're all artists. And so I think, you know, man, back in 1989, I wrote a song called Piece by Piece about a police officer being killed in the line of duty. I recorded it on a four-track cassette and made copies of it, and I made homemade labels of it. It was anything but professionally produced. I passed it out to cops everywhere when I left the job. And to this day, from 1989 forward, even on Facebook, people remember me for that song. Now, they also watch our journey, and it's a testimony. I mean, art is, is really a part of our testimony, isn't it? It's a statement of our values and principles. It tells a little bit about who we are, and one day it'll tell a little bit about who we were. I've got another friend. Uh, he puts art to work by writing Facebook posts that motivate people, scriptural stuff called Morning Roll Call. He's a retired cop, and I don't know, every couple of weeks or so, he's been doing it for years. What a testament of, of this guy's values and his principles that will be lasting even, even after he's gone to heaven. And so again, let's, let's define art as anything we create out of what God has already created. It's not just writing. It's not just sculptures. It's, it's new ways of doing old things. It can be in business. When I look at McDonald's, I mean, Ray Kroc, did I say his name right? Or is it Cock? Rose Crock. Yeah. You know, he didn't he didn't create the hamburger joint. He created a way of mass producing. He basically created the fast in, fast food industry as we know it today. That is art. You know, he he what you think about any invention, you know, it's art. It's somebody putting their mind together to connect the pieces of things that God has already created to put something new out there for the benefit of other people and for us as believers, the glory of God. So we'll talk a little bit about the importance of art, you know, even in this day and age, the importance of art. When we look at the craziness going on in the world right now, art is never more important than in times like that. C.S. Lewis wrote some of his best writings, you know, during the havoc of World War II. When you think about the art that came out of the 60s during the Vietnam uh, turmoil, um, all kind of fantastic art came out of that. The Jesus People movement came out of that, uh, which produced a lot of art by Christians. So we'll talk about the importance of art, kind of already did, but the payoffs 
of creativity or art, and, and then overcoming obstacles to creating art, and then developing momentum in creating art. And uh, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want people that, I, I, first off, I think we all have a creative bent. We are children of the creator, therefore we are creative. And, and so we're not talking about becoming a professional uh, musician or a professional you know, sculptor or what, making your living. We're talking about creating for the sake of creating because it's in you. Think about when you were a child. This, we'll get into right now some of the, the benefits, the payoff of art, some of the immediate benefits. When you were a child, no matter what was going on in the world, you could sit down, whether you were working on your bicycle or even go further back when you were on the floor playing with blocks, you were lost in that moment and you were experiencing joy and fulfillment. No matter what was going on around you, you were lost in the moment. When I think about this guy that drew the picture hanging on my wall in prison, he is in one of the darkest places you can be. He's in prison, a terrible, terrible place. In all likelihood, he's been put to open shame in front of everybody, convicted of a crime, and, and yet he can get lost in a moment and create art and experience joy and fulfillment. He can get lost in that flow. Now, now getting to that flow moment is it just there's actually books out there about that. Overcoming the resistance, which is what Stephen Pressfield talks about in The War of Art, pressing through and getting to that place where you just let everything else go and you sit down and you say, you know what, I'm gonna create. I'm going to work on something and understanding that that's a process. You know, it's like, I, and I guess it's true of anything um, that you create. It, there's a lot of trial and error, isn't there? Um, you know, when it comes to songwriting, man, I, it, you want to be a good songwriter, write every single day, write a bunch of junk. You want to be a good writer of books, write a bunch of junk. That's where the tr eventually the treasure gets discovered. You find that peace. And so it's, it's through persistence sometimes. But even if it doesn't, you know, getting lost in that thing that brings you joy and fulfillment, whatever it may be. It may be working on cars and, and going out and doing something in your garage. You, you, honestly, um, this couple of weeks ago, we reorganized our garage. To me, that is a work of art. You know, I sit back. And I, enjoy, I got lost in it while I was doing it. It didn't matter what else I had to do. This was the focus. I got lost in it, trying to find creative uses of space and to organize things. And I got lost in it. And now I sit back and I enjoy the benefit. I go, man, it so feels so much better to do the things I have to do in the garage now that things are more organized. Gosh, I even just finally bought a decent toolbox for our camper and organized all my tools. Now, that was a little bit of creativity. There is creativity in that, how I'm going to organize it. And, and there's, you know, there was joy and fulfillment and putting all the pieces together and then backing up from it and saying, it is finished. You know, well, I look at it like God looked at, created and back, backed up and said, this is good. It's good. And so we find joy and fulfillment. That's some of the immediate benefits of giving our giving in to our creative edge. And we all have a little bit of a creative edge. And if you are a musician, if you are a writer or a sculptor or a painter, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But we can put that stuff way behind us 
and not touch it for months and then wonder why we feel so miserable. Get that thing out. It's something God gave you. It's a gift he gave you and get lost in it once in a while. A second thing, a second payoff of art is that your confidence grows when you create. You know, not all of our art is going to be celebrated. celebrated. As a matter of fact, most of it won't be. Some of it will even be ridiculed. Uh, but if your motive for doing it was, was getting lost in the act itself and maybe bringing some sort of joy and inspiration to others, um, your confidence is going to grow when you do it, when you do that thing. Even if you crash and burn, I think about... Back in 2012, matter of fact, the trip this painting was painted on, my son, it was just my son and I. My wife was still working a job. Uh, Life on the Verge hadn't officially launched. We, we were still living in a condo and we didn't have a camper. Uh, I was staying wherever I could, sleeping on church floors, sleeping in a tent. Uh, we had a relative's house that was vacant that we stayed in for this particular tour. But on the way down to Florida, on the way down and on the way back up, I scheduled two open mics. In, uh, one was in Atlanta and one was outside of Atlanta. And part of that was because I wanted my son to get out there. You know, I knew he had a gift and I wanted him to get out there and use it, expose other people to his gift. I thought it, it was really, you know, it wasn't just because he was my boy, it's because I was a musician and I could hear what he was writing, what he was doing. I was like, and so could a lot of other people. And we could watch the impact of the inmates. I'm like, hmm, this kid's got something. And so I wanted to expose him, but I knew that I needed to get my own art out there. You know, not just uh, get him out there. So I said, well, if he's going to do the open mic, I'm going to do it too. And I was scared to death. Man, I had not played in front of people like that in, in forever. And even when I did, it was always like with a worship band or even a rock band. It was a band. It wasn't me and just my acoustic guitar. You're just naked when you're out there with just you and your guitar, aren't you? <laughs> When you're in a band and something goes off the rails, you just look at the other guy like it was his fault. You know, nobody knows. Uh, and a lot gets covered up when you're in a band, you know, mistakes. But when it's just you and your guitar or you and a piano or you and your instrument and your voice, you're just naked. And so we, we he played uh, at... It was Eddie's Attic, which is a pretty famous open mic in Atlanta where John Mayer's played, Sugarland played there. Uh, they played the open mic before they got big. And uh, he actually played. There was some incredible talent in that place. Uh, let me back up because that was the second one. Okay, the first one was uh, this little coffee house place. And there was no more than a dozen or so people there. And my son got up and he crushed it like he always does. I, he blows my mind. He doesn't make mistakes. At least not no I mean I'm listening. And he's always on time. He remembers all of his lyrics. And so now I got to get up in front of these 12 or 15 people and I'd watch some of them play and they were all phenomenal. You know, Atlanta's got quite a music scene. They were all just great musicians. And I got up there with my guitar and I was shaking in my boots, friends. I mean, I was scared to death. And I started the song. It's a song called You Found Me There that I played a bunch of times. And I got up there and I started playing it and I went off the rails. I don't know if I forgot the words or if I messed the chord up, but I fell off the rails. It fell apart right in front of everybody. I was so embarrassed. And uh, I apologized, you know. And one of the guys looks up at me and he goes, Hey, man. We're not going to hurt you. <laughs> I was like, so I, I started all over again, and I I played the song through, and then I think I play, I think that was the only one I played. I only had the courage to play that one song. Well, then after we did the prison tour, we hit Eddie's Attic on the way back. Now Eddie's Attic is like a bar, and there was probably a hundred people there, 
and you talk about gifted people at this open mic. Now, there were a couple that were so-so, and I my confidence, I was like, okay, okay, I can do this, I can do this. And again, my son gets up there and crushes it. Well, I got up there, and I played two songs, and I, I won't say they were flawless, but they were good. I did them start to finish. I did all right. And uh, I didn't win any awards. My son placed second place, which wasn't bad considering uh, the talent that was in that place. I mean, touring musicians traveling up and down the East Coast stop in there and do that open mic. So this is, you know, this is a serious, serious open mic. Uh, nevertheless, my point is my confidence grew from the first one, the failure. And sometimes we do need to get out there and crash and burn. I mean, what ball player doesn't, you know, miss a free throw or throw an interception? They do it all the time. They learn to work through the failure. And so when you put your art out there, even if it gets ridiculed, even if you fall off the rails, your confidence grows. Do it again. Do it again. Do it better next time. And so that's another payoff of getting your art out there. Too many people are dying with their music still in them. Things, and, and I'm not just talking about music, they're creative ideas, whatever they may be. It could be an invention. It could be a gadget, you know. Uh, but put your mind to work. Put the creativity that God gave you to work and fail at it a few times. Your confidence will grow. And another thing that happens when we put our art to work when we get our create out creativity out there we put our, our we take the risks of art um, is that we inspire other people um, we inspire ourselves to do more but we inspire other people sometimes in the moment um, when we look well I'm getting inspired by this this drawing this painting on my wall to think man if this guy in his circumstances could could take the time to do that he didn't have to do that we didn't ask him to do that you know that then it inspires me. When I see other people do it, sometimes it's comp uh, comp a competitive spirit that gets into us. Well, they did that. Well, I can do this. That's not all bad. You know, if it's inspired, if, you, if, if your goal isn't just to be better than the other person, no, it's to say, you know what? If they can do it, I can do it. And so when we get out there and do it, we inspire other people to get out there and, and do it. We don't just inspire people other people to, to get out and do something because they saw us do it, but we also inspire them with our art. You know, I wrote the book Thrival Mode. I knew it wasn't going to be a bestseller. I just knew, you know what, I got a laptop, I got all this software, um, and I enjoy to some degree. I mean, it, you know, any art is a frustration at times, uh, but I'm going to start putting words together and just tell a little bit of our story and the importance of vision and that kind of thing. And I started writing this book a couple of years ago and just for the sake of doing it, feeling like I was getting something that was in me out of me. And uh, and, I, and I hope that the, me doing that inspires other people maybe to take time and write a book. It's not hard nowadays. Um, we have the tools to do it. You can publish it on Amazon. They'll you know pay somebody on Fiverr to format it for you and out it comes. So we had uh, two transmissions to get replaced. I've told this story before, but um, I took it to a place called Gearbox Transmission in Richmond, Virginia. I highly recommend that place. Took uh, vehicle one there to get it repaired and had a very brief conversation with the man about what we do in prisons. So he called me back with the estimate and said, you know, here's the good news and the bad news. And he gave me $1,000 off because he, he appreciated what we do. I thought, man, that's awesome. So when I took him the second vehicle and picked up the first vehicle, I said, uh, well, man, here's a, you know, uh, some works of art. I didn't say that, but that's what it was. I gave him our CDs and I gave him a copy of the book just as a token to say thank you. 
That was on a Friday. He called me back on Monday and spoke to me for 30 minutes about how that the, the music had touched his wife and the book had just blown him away. And listen, it's, it, it's not a bestseller, okay? I don't want to diminish myself or have false humility. There's some good material in there. Um, not just my material, but ideas I picked up from other folks too. Uh, but the book moved him. It inspired him. And he gave us that second transmission free of charge and to this day supports our ministry monthly. Isn't that amazing? I, I've only laid eyes on this man one time. He wasn't there, uh, the, the, well, two times for both transmissions. Two times I've laid eyes on him. And so because of art, something that God allowed me to create, but I had to take the effort or make the effort rather to create it. So that's just ways that, and what does that do? Well, it inspired him, but it inspires me to write again. You know, I, I did it once. Maybe I can do it again. Maybe I can lay out some words just in a way that will will speak to people and help people. Uh, and, then, and that brings me to the last point I want to make on this podcast is that when you create, when you, when you get out there and you do it, you lay a foundation for more art. You can look back at what you did and you build on it. And so it, when it comes to songwriting, for example, you know, you write a bunch of trash sometimes. You know, back in the day when we first started Life on the Verge, that first opportunity I had to go to Sturgis was 2011, put a band together, and I wanted to have some music to put on a CD with a prayer for the bikers. That's what we would do at Sturgis. We hand those out free as we perform live. Some, we had other people, Christian biker uh, clubs, that would pass these CDs out. And we didn't, we didn't have any music burned or on CD. We didn't have any recorded. So I got with my friend, um, my band members, guys that were going to go to Sturgis with me, and I think we did 10 songs. We did an album called King of Hearts. We did it in a church choir room uh, with, you know, all, you know, gear we just threw together, and it came out mediocre, you know, pretty pretty mediocre. The the songwriting, the, the recording was pretty good, but it was anything but professional but we still burned it and we passed out hundreds of copies of that and uh, but it that was the first actual recording I'd done in decades like that and so I built my confidence to say you know what I, I see how it can be done better and each time I re we recorded in my house with our own recording equipment and a whole album called allergic to blue and uh, I handed a copy of that CD, which it came out, I think, better quality. The songwriting was better, but I used program drums for everything. And I handed it to a drummer friend of mine, and he listened to it. He's super pro, right? And he goes, hey, man, don't hand this out to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he was, he, because the drums weren't very creative at all, and he was a drummer. Uh, but it laid the foundation. We later recorded at least one of the songs, maybe two, off of that album. We wrote them for that album. We recorded them professionally in a studio with a real drummer a couple of years ago, or actually maybe last year. The song Mercy, if you've heard that song, I think that's on our album Speak Easy. And it came out fantastic. Uh, and and people love that song when we do it live. It's a cool groove song. Um, we do it live to the soundtrack, which has real drums, and it's very well produced. Thank you to everyone that donated to help us do that. It's very useful for us to have those live tracks when we don't have a band. My point is, is that all that previous stuff helped us. We had a foundation to build on. And so, you know, when you look at some of the greatest artists of our age or ages past, 
they're only known for a few works, sometimes only one, maybe a couple. The rest of it is somewhere behind the scenes or in the garbage heap. And so build the foundation by doing something. And uh, I did have a fifth point to make, and I've already said it about the, the joy and fulfillment we experience when we get lost in our art, is that it is, in a, in a way, an escape from the craziness that's going on in this world right now. It is a stress reliever. It is a way to get away. And it's important that we take that time to do that. And I know that uh, it kind of links with the joy and fulfillment, but it it's an escape. You know, I get up in the morning, for example, and uh, I have a trillion things to do like all of you, uh, things that we need to get done for the road. And I find out that if in the middle of that, I didn't do it this morning because I thought it was important that I do this podcast. But if I will sit down with my guitar for an hour and I'll, you know, go over some old tracks and make sure you know, I'm tight and right on some old songs that we're going to play on this tour. And then I'll, I'll do a little bit of writing come up with a few ideas here or there, even just one guitar riff or something, I have a better day. If I'll start with the escape, you know, I'll say, you know what? This The weight of all of this stuff I've got to do is pressing down hard on, on me. But by faith, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do this special thing that God gave me the ability to do just for the sake of escaping for a minute. Uh, it's not avoiding the work that needs to be done. Matter of fact, uh, a, if there's one recommendation I could give you, if you are any kind of creative artist, find that that time that works best for you. For me, years ago, when my kids were running all over the house and driving us crazy, um, it was late at night after they'd gone to bed. And so I would stay up till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning working on creating music and or writing or, or whatever. Uh, but now, for years now, the best time has been, if you're on a normal schedule, the best time is first thing in the morning. You know, do my devotionals or whatever, have a moment with the Lord, and then do that creative stuff early before the day hits you in the face. Save all those tasks, all those phone calls, all those, you know, th things that you got to get done. If it's not urgent, must be done right this moment kind of urgency, Put that off for just a moment, even an hour. Get lost in your creativity. Feel like, hey, I used the gift that God gave me. Uh, I, you know, I'm not letting it go to waste. That's important because it's very easy to let that that unique thing that God's given you, whether it is uh, woodworking or, you know, I've got a friend, for example, that uh, he makes um, longbows. Okay, and now he's gone to making custom antique rifles. Now he makes his living at it. But for years and years and years, uh, he worked in the contracting business, building houses and doing that kind of thing. Now his sweet escape, or back then, his sweet escape was to go to his little shack. And it was a little shack where he did his bows and he did his rifles. And, and I'm sure that those moments in there gave him the energy, gave him, you know, the just the reprieve from life to rest and get lost in his art so that he could do all that other stuff. And so I've got a ton of tasks to get completed today. Uh, this was one of them, but this is a form of art too. And it was like, well, I'm, I'm going to do this first. I'll feel better knowing that I did this thing that's in me. I got it out. And and I know that speaking and trying to inspire other people is is 
part of what God has given me to do, and and so I try to do it with this podcast, and I hope this helps, and we'll dig in. Give me some feedback, you know. I I got some feedback um, from a couple of people uh, recently on that series, Um, and one of them, uh, I don't don't like to mention people's names, but they got out with their music, and they did something with their music, and they just talked about how they kept going back to the podcast, something I said in The Risk of Art, Man, that that makes this worth it to me, that I was able to say something, even one sentence, one word, that inspired somebody else to, to take a risk and get out there. Take that, pull that guitar out of the closet or, or whatever that thing is. And again, I can't overemphasize enough that art, I, I'm a musician, so I think of it in those terms. But it really is anything that you take what God already created and connect the pieces to create a unique expression of that thing whatever it may be. When sometimes when you look at an athlete, you look at what they're doing and it's artistic, isn't it? There's an art to it. And again, it applies to business and inventions or or whatever. The way that you take those created things and put them together in a new, unique way to serve others. I hope that helps and we'll get into some of the obstacles. And if you want to get a, uh, a preview, go out and buy the book, The War of Art, um, that is a really good book that I've read more than once. I read it again recently. I had the Kindle version of it. I went out and bought the hard copy a couple of weeks ago, read through it again, made my highlights. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Probably the bestseller that Stephen Pressfield has written. He's also the guy that wrote the book, The Legend of Bagger Vance, that became a movie. Um, so we'll talk more about creativity and art and the obstacles to it in the next episode. You guys have a blessed week. Keep us in prayer as we prepare to hit the road and go to prison. Bless you. Sometimes fallen angels fly. I want to remind you that we're a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. You can hear more of our music at theplunders.com or on any streaming service.